Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige film. Today, we've got a 35th anniversary. That's right. Today, 35 years ago, the movie Hoosiers was released to American filmgoers. Wasn't expected to do much. Low budget film. Gene Hackman thought it might ruin his career. Mm-hmm. Ended up uh, capturing the nation's heart and uh, kind of being the go to feel good uh, rags of sports riches story that that has inspired and influenced many, many others over the year. Uh, got uh, got got made some noise in the Oscars, made a decent amount of money um, and has, you know, has been become a lock of, as, of a sports film. One of the most uh, famed and hollowed of all time. Uh, Jim and I, of course, are from the state, great state of Indiana. We are native Hoosiers. So I thought, hey, fuck, we probably should be one of the ones uh, marking the occasion. Uh, this movie was directed by David Anspa, which you might remember that he also directed another Indiana legend uh, tale in, in cinematic history. Rudy. Get out of here. Uh, Two of the yeah. most beloved sports movies of all time. Yep. He's also an Indiana University alum. Uh, he was joined by his buddy, Angelo Pizzo, who also graduated from Bloomington uh, and who's also the writer of Rudy. So wow. uh, they, they've done a bunch of other different things, but nothing that's on the order of Hoosiers and Rudy. It stars Gene Hackman, uh, famous from the French Connection, Mississippi Burning, Unforgiven. Barbara Hershey, who you might know as the uh, lady Ma- Mary Magdalene from Last Temptation of Christ. She's also the queen from uh, Aronofsky's Black Swan. And Dennis Hopper, Mr. Easy Rider, Mr. Speed, Mr. Waterworld, uh, Mr. Mr. Mario. True Romance. <laughs> Mr. Bowser, technically. <laughs> Mr. Bowser, yes. Super Mario Brothers, the movie, of course. <laughs> of course, his most famous role. Uh, plays the town drunk, who... Uh, Kind of tries to to sober up and dry out for the sake of a son, for the sake of his beloved sports team. The Hickory Huskers. Uh, This is based on the real life story of single class basketball championships in Indiana history. And I think it was 1952. Um, The uh, 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 God, how they pronounce this in fucking Indiana? Milan. It's Milan, but I think they pronounce it Milan. Uh, Milan High School defeated Muncie. Milan having an enrollment, total enrollment of 160. Muncie had 1,600. Defe- defeated them in the state championships back in 1952. And that inspired this, this story. This has all been fictionalized, but that's, that's what these events are based on. Um, with all this buildup, you might think that we've seen this movie 100 times and we just grew up <laughs> w- uh, worshiping the ground this movie walks on. Uh, no, because I've never actually seen this movie before, but I felt like I've seen it and... Being a huge fan of IU basketball growing up to the extent that Gene Hackman is based on Bob Knight, which I think is a lot. Yeah. Uh, and just the way Indiana basketball was pumped into my veins as a kid. I, I feel like I've, I've, I've got a pretty unique handle in this movie. Uh, did you ever see this movie before today? I don't know how, but I managed to grow up in Indiana and never see this movie. It's wild because it's not like there are a lot of movies I haven't seen from my childhood because I grew up in a weird religious cult. And so I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of movies. This is one that would be totally fine. Completely wholesome. I know. No problem. Right up my alley. And I never saw it. I can't understand. That's the thing. Like, usually when I haven't seen a movie like this, it's, oh, it was rated R or heavily featured magic or Mm -hmm. it was crazy violent for the time. This is a PG, maybe even a G rated film. Um, 
Nah, probably PG just for the alcohol alone. Yeah, yeah. PG rated film about like the the beloved sport of basketball in Indiana, which all my el- all the church elders played. They like had pickup games uh, every Friday night at the at the Centerton Gymnasium in Centerton, Indiana. Like I I mm-hmm. can't figure out why the fuck. Like this must be a failure for my parents because yeah. I was only six. Or I was only t- t- ten years old at the time this movie came out. Why I haven't watched it since, I don't even fucking know. And it had to be on like TV sports films. all the fucking sure. time in the 90s. All the time. I, I, I cannot explain why I have <laughs> never, ever seen this film. It's fucking nuts to me. It's yeah. fucking nuts to me. But I haven't. Uh, I've, been, I've been to the gymnasium where this thing was filmed at. When I lived in Greenfield, which is where I lived before I moved to Cincinnati, uh, the Knightstown, uh, the, 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 they call it the Hoosiers Gym now was only like 15 minutes from my house and a friend of mine was into basketball uh was visiting me he's like i've always kind of wanted to go over there shit let's go looks just like the movie just today you could walk in they they it, it's exactly how it was done up not the same structure i'm saying the same paint the husk the husker hmm. banners are still hanging up the nice. black and white photo of the whole team autograph is still up in there like it's it is like if this movie is important to you and you're in Indianapolis, fuck it. It's a 45 minute trip. You should take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of the movie seeing it for the first time? I, uh, I didn't. Well, I kind of knew what to expect, right? I've heard tales like Rudy, like um, so many other sports movies that this is some inspirational tale of the underdog, you know, winning against all odds, all that stuff. And so I like kind of expected it to be really good because people talk about it as if this is perhaps the best sports movie of all time. And like a third of the way into this movie, I'm thinking, I just don't see it. I just don't see this is cheesy. This is not compelling. They're like shortcutting so many of the the the, there's a, a training montage I don't know, 10 minutes into this movie, I kind of expected them to not get there quite as fast. Um, it, but by the end of the movie, or somewhere around halfway through the movie, I think it's when Dennis Hopper starts becoming a prominent figure in the movie. My opinion of the movie totally changed. I was in pretty much 100%, and I found it to be pretty inspirational by the end of it. The montage, so many montages, Uh, they happen early and often. But but you're right. There's kind of like this movie is in a hurry to get up and go. And then um, it's it's funny because you can see the DNA of this movie and how it's infected so many other sports movies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, probably the loose frame of this, like David and Goliath, improbable comeback, incredible result is, is probably you know, because that's what everyone loves about sports, right? The Cinderella stories. This stuff oh, yeah. is probably old and tropey by the time of Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of amazed. It's got a very unconventional structure, you know, um, because this is like a fucking Russian nested doll of people trying to get their shit together. Sure. Like yeah. the coach has failed and he's on his last legs. Dennis, uh, you know, the this uh, the basketball team is, is broken hearted because their beloved coach died. and their star players swore off a of basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, the town Dennis itself Hopper, is, is disappointed that their star player won't play. Right. It's right. D- D- Dennis Hopper is about to fail as a human being. He's about to crawl in a bottle and lose his son. He's already lost his wife. He's living in a miserable house. Barbara Hershey is, I don't know, setting up to be a spinster for life. Unless the, the Gene Hackman rescues her from that, that wretched fate, I guess. <laughs> sure. uh, Ollie. That's a part of the movie uh, that, 
that could we could do without like the romance there's there's like 15 20 minutes that yeah. are wasted on trying to establish a relationship and it never works no nah, it's flimsy the only payoff is just a really messy makeout scene of gene hackman and no one no one needed to see that at any time in america <laughs> I, I don't really gene like the way hackman it starts either there's a lot face. of like yeah that romance is weird from the jump because they seem very antagonistic and it's not like warranted in any way i don't i don't know he's he's the fancy city guy in town but she's a fucking graduate student or or a a doctor or some shit right like i don't know why she's giving him such guff coming from the city when she went to fucking harvard and graduated with a doctorate She's trying to catch him on like small town hatred, but she hates it too. Right. She thinks like the right? worst thing that can happen is if you f- have your glory years at this high school and are stuck and never get away. And like the, what the good ones should be able to. And like, I don't know. It never um, felt quite right. It was always on the off foot. No, it's, 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 it's off. But in, like I said, this movie is jam packed full of like father, son redemptions and redemption, redemption stories on hard work. And, all kinds of stuff. And then there's this, like, I, I don't know why, like he's already trying to work his mojo because as you find out, maybe, maybe it's just to give this guy someone to talk to, uh, so that he can reveal like his softer side, you know, cause we might never find out, you know, yeah. what the, what, what scandal happened to him in his college days and all talk that kind to, of stuff. Talk so. to Dennis Hopper. There was a perfect opportunity right. to just, cause yeah. they reinforce each other through the movie anyway. Just have them yeah, have those yeah, conversations. Yeah, yeah. And it feels very one sided. Like it would be, mm-hmm. I would feel more comfortable if there was a little bit of vulnerability from Hackman's side yeah. uh, that he extends to kind of help, you know, build that bridge. Um, the, the true yeah, romance got, in this movie, though, is between the director and Indiana, rural Indiana, because boy, that first opening bit there, they're just giving you a tour. In, baby. Yeah. Go over all the little trussle bridges and mm-hmm. through all the, the corn. Uh, Cobb feels it. It is, you know, and this is all filmed at and in 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 rural Indiana, like mm-hmm. in Knightstown and places like that. And you can tell, like New Richmond, I believe, was the uh, the the town of Hickory, stood for the town of Hickory, the fictional town of Hickory. And it's pretty much, I don't know, I haven't been to New Richmond in over ten years, but last time I was there, it's pretty recognizable as small town Indiana. Hasn't changed much. Uh, a lot like my hometown. Felt very nostalgic. Yeah, those first just just a lot of this movie felt very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that really sold me on this movie being awesome is like like you, in the second half where they really get down to like coaching and basketball because there's mm-hmm. something um, you know, Bill Simmons mentioned this. I went back and read like a 20 year old column that he wrote for ESPN about uh, he did a, um, a I guess you call a live watch, uh, a written live watch. And he talks about yeah. Gene Hackman doing more basketball coach type things than any other coach in cinematic history. Like he nailed, like, you know, basketball coaching is kind of, or any, any kind of, any kind of coaching is kind of mysterious. Like what is this guy doing on the sidelines? Like sometimes he calls plays, but for especially basketball for large stretches of the time, the players are just fucking playing, man. Like yeah. the magic that happens in this coaching seems to be like in the practices and the stuff and the game preparation. And that's very hard to, to sell to audiences. But what they do is they load this guy up with like what half a dozen inspirational, either halftime pregame or postgame speeches that are all fucking solid gold. Mm -hmm. And they have him doing like Bob Knight stuff on the sideline. 
like playing psychological games with the refs, you know, knowing when to like clock a player upside the head and when to like back off, knowing uh, the, 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 you know, getting the crowd riled up, uh, playing mental, playing mental games with his players and his coaches. Uh, and he kind of like, he's, he's kind of got that gruff, no nonsense kind of Bob Knight general on the, the, uh, the basketball court down pat just mm-hmm. effortlessly exudes that. Yeah. There's something about Gene Hackman. That's kind of perfect for this role. He's an intimidating character, but also can be a likable, very, very likable guy. You can understand how he could inspire people and not just with fear, but you know, with yeah. genuine humanity. Um, yeah, he's kind of perfect for this. I didn't really picture him as a bas- basketball coach through like enemy of the state and shit, but it works. Or the conversation didn't see, but yeah, he's he's, <laughs> right. he's really good at playing this particular type of, of basketball coach and uh-huh. and this particular type of because uh, um, I, I don't know anything about the Milan, uh, Mil- Mil- yeah, Milan or whatever the hell. I don't know anything about their actual run. Um, but it seems like that they it, it's what's interesting to me is this movie does seem like they just took Bob Knight, took off his name and put that character and had Gene Hackman play it. Because like, you know, Bob mm-hmm. Knight's famous for the motion offense, famous for like this style of like pass, 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 like essentially pass and screen, pass and screen until you wear the other team out and or you get catch them out of position for an uncontested layup or jump shot like all about it's all about the team. It's not about the individual you know, no matter how hot a shooting streak it's on, who well, gives a shit? Keep passing the ball until Jimmy says, um, give me the ball. And then so then, you know, yeah, it's <laughs> uh, but but it seems and, and what's I thought's interesting is, again, I don't know how the fuck I missed out on this craze, but like Indiana, the, the Indiana Hoosiers won the NCAA tournament the year after the movie Hoosiers came out. Hmm. And I remember that was a big fucking event. I was only 11 years at the time, but I'll never forget like that whole, that whole tournament and the final four. And I think it was Keith smart nailing that shot at the, at the, at the, the last second to beat Syracuse, uh, Steve offered that whole fucking team. Uh, I, but I, I can't like, that's such a fucking wild coincidence that this coach is kind of like loosely based on the team that's known as the Hoosiers <laughs> the year after this thing comes out and invigorates the nation wins the, Whole, like that's fucking crazy. Maybe it's and because again, of the movie. How did I not? Yeah, how did I not? I I know one of the reasons I didn't see it is my dad very rarely took us out to the movie theater, and we didn't get a fucking VCR until I was in high school. So probably the <laughs> heyday of like renting Hoosiers and like watching. Like I just I just missed out on that. Yeah. But man, what a bunch of what a bunch of wild coincidences to kind of follow the plot of the movie. Uh, yeah, I don't know where we want to talk about like our our history because we both. Uh, you know, sort of grew up in Indiana. You, I think a hundred percent grew up in Indiana. Um, I went to California for a while and came back, but spent my teen years in Indiana and yeah, played a lot of basketball. I, I very much felt like the beginning of this movie where they're walk, they're, uh, driving around with Gene Hackman. He's driving through, you know, all these back country roads and every once in a while he'll pass a barn and up on that barn, there'll be a plywood, backboard with some shitty it's almost a milk crate rim right uh right and there'll be two kids just out there shooting on it and and then he'll drive for another five minutes and he'll see the same thing uh i very much get that like it 
it was a way of life for kids in in that era. Yeah, the way football is in Texas, that's the way basketball is in Indiana. Although asterisk, yeah. I don't know that that's still the case in 2021. I really don't uh, know either. As a, as a, so do you want to talk about our basketball experiences up front or at the end? Because yeah, probably um, at the end. Okay, I, I thought because like I'd like to talk about the the destruction of single class basketball that happened to Indiana in the late nineties and. I lived through that. I remember very, you know, the the daily debates that was in for and against it in the Indianapolis Star and Indianapolis News and even in, you know, the 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 Mooresville Gazette. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of like 20 years on to like like to check the predictions and whatnot. But, yeah, we got hmm. we got lots of classic Indiana basketball stories to tell. <laughs> yeah. um, is there any need to like break down this? Because this is every sports movie you've ever seen. Right. Uh, a coach with some with some shady background and some sort of a disgrace uh, left the prom, you know, promising career in college to come back to uh, coach Hayseed basketball because his friend is a principal and has given him a break. Uh, the team is kind of on the outs and there's only six in the beginning of the movie. There's only six guys. If you know anything about basketball, you got to have five people to play. So those dudes are going to be running around and getting getting sweaty in a lot of gyms for, for the basketball season this year. And, and um, one of them is just just a little guy, just a little guy. And they all kind of make just, fun just of this little guy and he can't play. And gee, I wonder if he'll have a pivotal play to make late, you know, that they'll mm-hmm. make or break the team late in the season. And there's a star player that's got some emotional hang ups about stuff. And there's a father son that are in conflict. And and uh, the town is initially against the the team, the, the coach's uh, new ways of thinking and the emphasis on team and, and the emphasis of running and gunning and. And uh, they're the small school and, and boy, they're going to make a, a deep run in the playoff system in Indiana. And do you, you think you think they'll win the big game, Jim? Do you think they'll get all the I way there and, or they're going to pull a Rocky and shit to bed uh, on Indiana's <laughs> largest stage? <laughs> yeah. You'll have to watch the movie to see. Um, it's two hours long. It's pretty breezy. Um, it is very. I was surprised at how sentimental and almost maudlin it is in places. Um, it's really earnest and wholesome uh-huh. in, in almost a septic way, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, uh, in real life, if this coach had pulled half the shit he had and done half the gambling he had, it would have ended in like domestic violence and God knows what kind of crazy shit. But every one of his gambits, every one of his high risk maneuvers, every one of his power plays. Every one of that thing just takes his team t- to a little bit closer to the top of the mountain and everything is successful. So, yeah, uh, that's that's so you haven't seen the movie. There's there's your there's your recap. Um, this movie had two Oscar nominations. Maybe we should we can start there. Um, OK, one for Dennis Hopper in a supporting role and another for Jerry Goldsmith, who scored this thing. This Wait. is a very iconic sports score, for sure. You think so? Yeah. I, I feel like I've I, heard the songs, even though I haven't seen the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've been to, like, uh, I'll tell you what, if you've been to a Pacers game anytime in the last 35 years, uh, or you have seen large stretches of this movie, because they just, like, fucking throw it up on the Jumbotron to get the goosebumps going for, for the game. You okay. know, Gene Hackman, his, they, they pump his speeches in at different points of the game. The music like, yeah, it's it's I think it's pretty, pretty iconic. I was surprised to find out that Hopper got an Oscar nomination for this movie. 
because I feel like he's the best part of this movie. Honestly, I his storyline I really enjoyed, um, and I think he is excellent in this. He's excellent because yeah. I think he just he was just he's he's uh, he's just another guy in this film. Like I, hmm. what what was the standout part of his performance? Uh, it's it's those scenes with his kid uh, when he's in the hospital later on. Uh, mm. He's he's swinging kind of wildly here and that's Dennis Hopper for you in a nutshell, just like chewing scenery and, and going crazy. I gotta say this is his most restrained performance I've ever seen. <laughs> Probably sometimes so, yeah. literally in a straight jacket. And, and then other times <laughs> but, he's, you know, wobbling out onto the court drunk as can be pointing and shouting and, you know, he's going over the top, but I, I don't know. Th- those scenes really, really struck a chord with me and it's largely down to his performance. I think, the emotion he's able to convey there with not very many words is pretty impressive from a, from a guy like Dennis Hopper. Cause I'm, I'm expecting this from like a Daniel day Lewis, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting this from a Dennis Hopper. So when I see it, I'm like, wow, I, I didn't know you had this gear. Kudos dude. I will say this about it. The very first scene he was in, it was, I didn't realize it was Dennis Hopper until the very end of it. Yeah. Like he diner. is. Yeah. He's got his hair kind of longer and, yeah, it's very floppy. He's just not playing nearly as big as 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 he usually does. Like a, uh, it felt like a I don't know, it felt like a small performance to me, like a reserved like exactly what it needs to be. Uh-huh. Op, almost no scenery chewing. Um so I was yeah, I was like I was like I wonder what he's giving that uh that the academy really fell for. It might just be that it was for me the most compelling storyline like yeah Mm -hmm. i get it i've seen this underdog uh sports team story a thousand times and and i've probably seen you know the the dennis hopper uh estranged father angry son thing a hundred times as well but Mm -hmm. i kind of wasn't expecting it out of this movie i thought this was going to be more straightforward basketball story and so i was surprised by it yeah, I appreciated the fact that like they did add these different like, you know, personal stories because just as a basketball story, you know, it's it's a pretty meat and potatoes kind of thing. Um I think what really impressed me about this movie is its authenticity. Um some of this is probably because of necessity. Like they film on location in Indiana, authentic Indiana small towns, authentic authentic Indiana small basketball arenas hinkle field house the the big tournament is the real hinkle field house so it looks very cool and since they were so strapped for cash um i noticed that they would do things like hey we're gonna film on actual uh like friday night high school basketball games Mm-hmm. And we're going to tell the town, hey, want to be fun if you dress up like it's the 50s, have 50s night and get like all the parents and students to show up and be free extras and be like thrilled out of their mind because this is a small town in Indiana is the most exciting fucking thing that's ever happened to them. Yeah. And they would film during they So the game would go on and they would just film the natural reactions of people losing their mind about their their teams winning and losing and all that kind of stuff. And then during halftime, they would come in and actually get their the, the, the couple of insert shots of their players sinking baskets or stuff or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and get the crowd's reaction to that. But like it feels real because these were all people who are just they're not playing characters. They're dressed up because, you know, the, the people asked them to do it and they were happy to do so. But they're just watching Indiana basketball and being passionate about it. And that stuff, like all the little you know, signs into things like the, uh, the when they were playing, I think it was uh, 
uh, I can't remember what which 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 team it was, but it's like uh, time to harvest the Huskers. I remember all that shit when you have Spirit Week at school and everybody's like painting amateur pictures mm-hmm. of like lambasting the Monrovia bulldogs. You know, uh, like put put a leash on the muzzle the bulldogs, chop down the woodsman, the Greenwood woodsman, and uh, yeah. just just like you know, like everybody thinks they're fucking creative, but like. Come on, we've been doing this for 40, 50 years. Like, this is the same jokes that are, you don't think none of our parents thought to chop down the woodsman, Scott? You think you're being, you think you're being original with this poster? Uh, what, I, I like do, that. Just kind of, kind of only corn, kind of corn pone, uh, the, the nature of it. What what they do for the pioneers? Where they like send the pioneers home or something? I don't like, know because I what we were Mooresville pioneers. So uh, like what? Yeah, what do you do with the pioneers? Like burn the wagons? Because our, our sure. <laughs> our logo was either a badly ripped off Notre Dame, mm-hmm. you know, fighting Irish guy, except for instead of like an Irish, they just just our most talented art student replaced the Irish tuxedo with like settler clothes. Yeah, you know. some golden blue. Or yeah. Mostly our mascot was a Constantinoga wagon. <laughs> right. It sure right? was. Uh-huh. Like in all our sweatshirts and stuff is Mooresville Pioneers, the big M and then that big fucking wagon. Like in shop mm-hmm. class, we'd make a wagon and paint it blue and yellow and all that <laughs> shit. So, uh, but yeah, it was real. And I think it also tied into like, there's several scenes of like the merging of basketball and religion. Like I really enjoyed that. Cause it like, again, I wouldn't describe the elders in our church as nuts about much things except for the religious beliefs, mm-hmm. but they were all to a man fucking nuts about basketball, yeah. like passion about play, written out full court facilities, you know, playing every Friday night well into their 40s. Um, and there's a, some of the scenes like the, the, the minister showing up and, you know, like assessing Gene Hackman. It's like, you know. We have to have a good Christian man here to set a fine example for the men, and they gotta do be morally upstanding. And you think he's gonna grill him, and then his his first question is, "But I gotta know right up front, you play zone or man to man?" I just thought that was so funny, and you know the the prayers before and after and during the thing, and and how religious yeah. when the players that that felt very true to home. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, well, while we're on the topic of of the religion in this movie, I've got. A visual aid here that I need to hit you with because the preacher has a very specific look in this movie. Um, and this is maybe this is an advertisement for our working Wednesday Twitch live streams. Uh, because if you're a podcast listener, you're not gonna you're not gonna get this. But tell me, do you know who Matt McCoy is? It's it's I the, do not. You remember the Star Trek Next Generation episode where they're negotiating over the rights to a wormhole, and there's some dude that's like hitting on. Oh yeah, Deanna? the really uh, the 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 really cocky, overconfident. Yep, that guy, that guy, half beta Z or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, that guy. So so tell me that the preacher here does not look exactly like a cross of Matt McCoy and Nicolas Cage. Check this out. <laughs> okay. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, with a little, little little ginger coloring mixed in there too. Sure. Yeah. 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 If you want to look this up and you're listening to the podcast, it's Michael Sasson or Sasson. I don't know. S a s s o n e. Looks just like just like a cross between them. What do you think about the philosophy? Because this is a very like pro Bob Knight, my way or the highway. You know, I'm the general. You guys are. I'm I'm the the chief. You guys are the followers. 
um, imposing his will. I mean, there's a fine line there, right? Like, if one more person walks off the basketball team, he doesn't have a legal team that he can field. For sure. Uh, What do you think of that? Uh, What what do you think about the style of, I guess, of coaching? I I don't know. I guess whatever gets the job done. Um, Yeah, I, I guess my question would be if he were to offend these players so much that two more of them walk off and he's got four out of the five needed. Does he go hat in hand back to them and say, okay, please, I'm sorry, please come back to the team. It'll take it easier. Or does he just shut down the team? Like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a risky move. Um, I, I don't particularly like the aggressive, angry approach to much of anything. So mm-hmm. I would say I'm not totally in favor of this, but I guess it gets the job done sometimes. Yeah, because uh, I've seen both types win. Obviously, I was a big fan of Bob Knight growing up. I later became a fan of Tony Dungy, who is like completely on the opposite end of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does seem like both approaches can win. So I guess the approach that you know doesn't cause people to want to like jump out a window is better. Because the thing yeah. about this is like. Um, this guy's very Bob Knight, but they've definitely sanded off like, you know, like, yeah, sure. He has he yells and screams. And he gets in with the ref. and He gets ejected a lot and, and all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, throwing chairs and choking players, they do allude to the fact that he punched a player. And there's, there's some interesting psychology about like, oh, he's my most talented player. And he was just like me. And I just kind of like, you know, even though I had all yeah. this on the line, I gave it up. But but there's not a lot of wrestling of like, well then what changed? Because it doesn't seem like you've changed. Like this, it sounds like you're exactly the same coach that you were when you were, you know, punching your star player. So like, I felt like there was a, I kept on expecting that there was going to be some growth for this coach, but it seems like, Uh like, like he would almost cross the line and he would like find another way. Like instead of punching his most recalcitrant player and they set up a couple of hard luck cases, he would have something to get through to them instead. And I never saw that. So it felt like almost like, Hey, I just lost my cool once. And it's not about me constantly being in the red. That's a problem. It's just, I just lost my cool. So, so I think that's part of it. This, this is kind of like a pretty, this is the richest part of the movie. I think Um, the, the relationship that he has with a particular player, and I don't know the player's name, but it's the player who, I think he ends up with a cut on his back because he punches some other player and starts a big fight um, on one of the other teams. That's the uh, Dennis Hopper's kid, right? Like Finchie. That's not no, the same guy that gets cut up. I, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know. I know so, the, so guy, the, the one that I'm talking about the... is the, the kid who, when Gene Hackman first comes in and says, we're going to pass four times before we even think about a shot. The kid right. just says, fuck it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep shooting. And he benches him, right? He it's that kid. Him. And I think he's the one that punches the other kid. I could be wrong about that. Um, but I think, like, Gene Hackman has this scene earlier on where he's walking with Barbara Hershey and he tells her, uh, I, don't, I don't know what happened that day, right? I keep going over it in my mind. It's been, like, 12 years. And I keep thinking I could just stop my fist. Um, and then over the course of the movie, you see he gets to those edges, but he never crosses that line again, right? 
So I think he mm-hmm. has like matured a bit uh, in those last 12 years, but he's got a player who's just like he was. And I think by the end of the movie, like that's the kid who I think that's the kid who's stubborn and, and just wants to shoot his shots. Right. Thinks he knows best. Right. Um, kind of like Gene Hackman did. And by the end of the movie, I think he's back on board with like, okay, we are going to play it by Gene Hackman's rules here because it's working. Um, and he can kind of teach this kid who could be him, uh, you know, punching players and, and being Mm. an asshole. He's kind of able to teach him the 12 years of lessons that he learned in like a year. Okay. I felt like it, um, I can see that, but it felt like a lot of that development happened in like the first two acts. And like, I, I guess I needed one last in the third where like in a sectional or divisional or semifinal, like in a, a crucial moment, they that stood like that stubbornness versus his stubbornness was about to book. Cause it's, yeah, it's one yeah. thing to like break this kid in a regular season game mm-hmm. when the chips are down and like, you're going to have to put in the kid that sucks and you got to trust him. Like, I wish there was a, like one more power struggle to kind of nail that home because it almost felt like he's like, yeah, I always wondered what went wrong and I never really figured it out. And pff, fuck me. I guess it just, you know, I, I guess I just got better. You yeah. know, I, I thought there was a, a little piece that's missing because everyone, I feel, yeah. you know, because especially since he does like, you know, and uh, <laughs> I laughed real hard when he comes up with the idea to put in. Dennis Hopper because you know he's a wealth uh-huh. of basketball information he also scouts these teams and he knows everything but he's he's a drunk uh-huh. uh, he's an, he's an active uh, substance abuse issue and he's the dad of a player who has a rocky relationship and like the next day when he's announced this to the team and the kids the you know the, the Hopper's kids like you know what coach uh I guess I'm just not seeing it. Like I was like, yeah. I, I don't get this either. This seems insane. Like it's, it'd be insane if this was just his best friend that was driving. But the fact that there's like this father son dynamic, who knows what kind of the mom's out of the picture and like, Oh man, what a, what a crazy swing for the fences that this guy takes. It is. Yeah. He's taking a flyer on this guy. Just like, you know, is it, is it the principal? I, I don't know who this old guy who's dying of like heart shit. Is. I think it's yeah, I think it's a principal that's it was his friend. Yeah. OK, uh, just like he's taking a flyer on on Norman, on Gene Hackman's character. That's a he, Russian nesting doll. of yeah. flyers. Yeah. 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 He's like, this guy deserves another chance. His kid says, I don't think he does. Uh, but, yeah. and so that's the weird part to me is what changes this kid's mind? Because you're right. He brings him over to the, to the sidelines. He gets kicked out of the game and he's like, all right, shooter, you got to bring us home. And shooter just sits there. Like well, a lump that's the other and freezes thing. up. And, but, but eventually the kid warms up to him, but I don't know exactly why. So there's two nuts things. The very first, so he goes up there and is like, I want you to be my coach, but you gotta, you gotta dry up and you gotta do, you gotta dress right and you blah, blah, blah. Uh, first game, he gets himself thrown out so that uh, Hopper has to be put in this crucible situation. This is not how you treat a person that's taking baby steps towards recovery, <laughs> no. right? Like, let's put him yeah. right back in. Because what pressure. if he fit? And then the second time when, like, he has a relapse, and like, there, there's there's, a, there's like a ten minute sustained victory montage. The hickory goes on, mm-hmm. like, you know, to to the the late in the season. Once they get Jimmy back, once once he, the coach survives the the vote of no no, no confidence, there's this like ten minute long victory montage. 
In the middle of it, it smash cuts to Gene Hackman, dunking Hopper's head in a, a bucket of cold water and slapping him around and being like, you said you were going to be so... And like then like there's like a 60 seconds of that and <laughs> Hopper is like, okay, okay, I'll get my shit together. But God damn it, you just got to promise me yeah. you'll never leave me in a game situation. You got to do better too, coach. You can't be kicked right. out and, and put me under his pressure. Then he had like two more minutes of victory montage, like, you know, the, and the music cuts right back in to uh-huh. like the triumphant stuff. And then you get Gene Hackman deliberately getting kicked out. Yeah. Like, so, again, it, it's hilarious. Not... Oh, gee. Yeah, You're like, right. Okay. It's not the way to go. And, and I, it's a huge betrayal, <laughs> but it is really funny and it ultimately like serves its purpose in, in the script, right? Yeah, this Hoosiers da 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 like victory music and then smash cut to him dunking his head. You're fucking up, Hopper. You're what what are you doing? You're letting the whole team down and then like, okay, I promise I won't, but you gotta promise me. Then right back to da 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 and just you know, floater after floater. Oh man. I bet that's a fun scene to film too. I'd like to dunk Hopper a few times. That'd be fun. But the thing is so so to bring it back around, the what changes this kid's mind. I don't fucking know because his old man is sitting there sucking air like a landed fish. <laughs> yep, he freezes up that first time. Like and then 30 it seems seconds. Like- and then the kid's like, well, dad, uh, this number four guy, it seems like he's got something. And then that like that, that 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 that's like the the so the kid. The kid is the one. Which I hate it. I hate it whenever you take a, a kid and he has to be the one that takes the yeah, step towards the mature one. The parent who has let them down so many times in this context. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this movie, this movie is like it's never seen. Uh, uh, it's never seen a road paid to good intentions lead to hell. Like every single mm-hmm. one is going to lead to heaven, yeah. no matter how emotionally fraught, no matter how un, you know unrealistic family dynamic. Um, and that's the one thing that dates it. Well, there's a couple things that dates it, but that's one of them. Is, is like uh, it doesn't really grapple with any kind of like modern issue in any kind of modern way yeah yeah that's where the the cheese starts to creep into me it's like a little too a little too wholesome in some ways yeah Um, just just lean into the puritan work ethic and every you know and 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 there is no i in team and everything everything will work out I, i do think now that now that you've laid it out like what's happening here i do think maybe there is a through line on the kid uh his change of heart so they they have that scene earlier where Gene Hackman says, I, I gave him another shot. I think he deserves that. And the kid says, no, he doesn't. And then it takes a while, right? And he sees his dad walk in in a suit and tie, his hair combed. He's clearly sober. He's trying. I, I think, yeah, he's putting forth the effort. And so the kid sees that and his, you know, Gene Hackman's words are ringing in his head. Like, I think he deserves another chance. And so he gives him that. And then it's a series of him not fucking up after that right until he really fucks up in like the semi-final game or whatever yeah that's the thing is like so they have this heartwarming moment and you think okay he's on the road to recovery but then literally the on the sectional game he goes AWOL shows up drunk gets a technical and then spends the rest of the movie in whatever rural Betty Ford clinic he's in you know yeah. getting getting dried out and going through alcohol psychosis and all this other stuff so it's like it 
it is interesting because it it doesn't go full on like unrealistic heartwarmer. Mm-hmm. Um, Not in that, and but, I think that's why that's my favorite part of the movie is because it is a little more textured. Yeah, then there is a little honesty that like you know even when you're highly motivated, even when you really want it, even when you've got the support of of people who care about you, you still it's 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 hard. Um, yeah, but I guess that's the thing: the fact that he's willing to be committed and willing to stay in there. Um, because there's a, I think a couple, there's a, a couple mentioned in the beginning of the movie about him, you know, trying to go to one of those things or going to a hospital to get better. And he just like, nah, fuck it. I don't. And when you see the way this huh. guy lives, yeah, like that's, uh, that felt very rural Indiana. You know, the fact that like Dennis Hopper would be a homeless person, except for apparently his granddad had a cabin in the woods somewhere that he was able to live in essentially for nothing. And as long as he can chop his own wood like this thing's got giant foundational cracks yeah the roof is like in poor repair he's like it gets pretty rough in the winter but i make it through like mm-hmm. yeah he's he's in a he's in a real a tough space but it feels like he doesn't deserve i don't know how, how he got in that situation he was uh oh that's the other point they make like is it better to be you know like is it better to peak at 17 and always be kind of stuck in that time frame because that seems like what Hopper's was. He's talking about the 1932 right. sectionals and how he did this and that. Or is it better to have never had that experience? Like, is it better to like live a mediocre life and and uh, never have that high high? Yeah, uh, good thought, question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. And the I mean, there is something either, pathetic right? that we that we attribute to like. You know, the Hank Hill style, like glory days of yeah. football in high school. Al Bundy and married with children. That, yeah. That, I got yeah. the four touchdowns and yeah. Yeah. They're, they're definitely our culture views that as something kind of pathetic. But I don't know. But it's like, also like, like he says, as in this movie Hoosiers. And like he says, yeah, some people never get a taste of that at all. So, you know, if they if they get a taste and, and remember it fondly, what's the harm? I. I don't know. It's a complex question. Um, I actually thought when we got through this movie and we were at the like the semifinals game, they had just forgotten about Ollie because I'm like, oh, because uh-huh. in the beginning of this movie, I'm like looking at everyone in Zark. OK, this is a stubborn kid that's going to have to learn discipline. This is the kid who's, you know, got a lot of talent, but he's emotionally all out of whack and he's going to have to. And Ollie, Ollie's a little kid that, sh- that, that shouldn't even be on the team. But they only got like 40 warm bodies in the school. So he's got to play. Um, he's going to have, you know, the coaches. He's going to be the one that works extra hard. And he's always staying at late to get and 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 he's the Steve Alford type draining, you know, practicing yeah. free throws. They do not do that story at all. <laughs> not even close. His arc, his arc is two steps. One step, you're inept. Step two, uh-huh. buddy. We haven't done anything to develop you, but fuck, we are in a bad way because this guy yeah. tore up his shoulders. There's only six dudes in the team. You're in, and the pressure's all on you, and he just nails it. He just nails it. Did you see that first free throw that he puts up in that final game? The granny, the granny style <laughs> shot, yeah. yeah. The underhand between the legs. It's And it whiffs. It whiffs so hard. It's a complete air ball. It does. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not a brick. A no. brick has to hit the rim. It's like two feet away from hitting the rim, man. And then his other two shots are like perfect. So, yeah. 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 When they need him to be. 
So it, it's it's cheesy. It's a little silly and ridiculous, but what are you going to do? I learned from Malcolm Gladwell that uh, statistically speaking um, and biomechanically speaking, the granny shot is the God tier like ever. It, it, so the, the free throw percentages in the NBA would be three to four percent higher if everyone shot Granny Smith. And the only reason they don't is because it, quote unquote, looks ridiculous. It does. It looks so stupid. Oh, it looks like you're a baby out there. <laughs> but why? If it's the best way to throw. Like, Somebody, why is the somebody's going to money do ball this shit to- one day. Like can, Brad- can you imagine like a shot putter being like, well, can you, well, why do these guys put this ball under their chin and spin around and shit? Like, it's, why don't you just get out there and heave it, man? But if you got to do all this spinning and shit, what the, or like a, you know, like, or, or a high jumper being like, what's this skip top and jump? I'm just going to go and fucking raw. Like, this is I the know. only sport where looking cool is more important than scoring points, apparently. I feel like that is actually true like i can't think of another sports move that could be done more efficiently and better and we know it and it just yeah. looks so stupid that people refuse to do it like unless it's like the butterfly stroke where it's actually like uh, uh like it's uh, an you event know. yeah yeah it's an event where and i actually i think i i think the butterfly is actually the most efficient because it gets your body out of the water which is yeah. less resistance and stuff it looks crazy but it's like super fast and efficient I it's it's why it's it, ever since I known because I just figured that it'd just be the reason people think it's it's bad is because it looks stupid and it's just the way a kid throws so it must be the bad way to do it but it turns out you, yeah that's every basketball player benefit from it crazy I, I want to see it somebody will come along and they will moneyball this this the free throw and you're gonna see one dude out there who's doing the granny and everybody's gonna it's be happened. laughing at him. There's like two or three no. times in NBA history that like the guy the guy shoots like that and he's always leads the league in free throws. Like that that's uh so it's it's not wow. it's not even theoretical. It's like there's been practical and guys like I, I think about growing up guys like Shaquille O'Neal who were hopeless. Yeah. To the yeah. to the fact that like teams would build a strategy around just fouling him immediately when he got the ball because he like you could guaranteed get two points or he probably get zero if you foul him. Yeah. Um, that like if he just raised his field goal percentage 10%, how do you get paid $40 million a year to play basketball and can't hit free throws? That's crazy to me. Um, how are you going to tell a guy the size of Shaquille O'Neal? He's got to shoot granny. That's true. <laughs> he's got to go true. in front of 50,000 people and <laughs> huck this ball up there <laughs> between his legs. I mean, on the other hand, who better than the seven foot eight guy that weighs 400 pounds to shoot the ball however the hell he pleases? Sure. And that if you don't too. like Who's it, gonna he'll, tell him? He'll, he'll, he'll pull your backboard down. So uh-huh. take it with him. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to do it. Um, yeah. A whole team. I want to see a whole team do it before I'm, before I'm satisfied. Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought about this is like this does the same thing that uh, like the Queen's Gambit does and uh, some other movies where like the, the sport itself might not necessarily be as accessible. Like this is this this game is played all in terms of montages like you don't. And, and I kind of find that annoying because I felt like um, more modern sports movies puts you into the flow of the game yeah where you're like you know they still montage it, but they break it up and be like you know like okay we're down two scores to whatever i felt in all of the last few basketball games i couldn't tell who's winning or losing and who who had the flow or who was on the run 
They just kind of like mm-hmm. they, you know, they showed a scoreboard and like, oh, these guys are down eight points. Um, but like I that 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 real sense of desperation and like the game is slipping away. And because the other thing is like these scores, like the, the final score is like what, 42 right. to 40. It's high school like, ball. That's the thing is like with with the time involved and like, you know, there's 20 seconds. Like I never felt like um, I knew exactly how desperate things were. Um, whereas I feel yeah. like in modern day, they, they're a little bit better at showing the flow and the back and forth and the moment. Cause that's what basketball sure. is all about. It's momentum, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah. And then they do it can, a little bit when he's like, okay, after this point, full court press and they're like kind of yeah. playing with that momentum stuff. Um, the one thing I will give them credit for, because I, I totally agree with you. I think the basketball is pretty lackluster in the way it's filmed here. Um, but the one thing I liked that they did is in that final game when they're playing the really good team, right? The second best team in the league that year. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're showing a montage of success, but it's not all the Huskers' success. It's also the success of the other team. So you can feel like these mm-hmm. are very evenly matched teams, right? And maybe they're yeah. even overmatched at a point. Right. So sh- showing both highlights, I felt, was really smart. Uh, did you see any comments from Spike Lee about this film? No, because like I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I never seen this film. I never read anything about this film before. When I got to the final, <laughs> when I got to the final uh, film or I the final game, and this has been this has just been white basketball, hundred percent white basketball, which it's rural Indiana. That's uh, I there was zero black players in in my high school too. Yeah, it's fine. It's nineteen fifty two. But when you get to the final game, guess what? Black players, black coaches, black coaches, black players. I don't think this is intentional uh, on behalf of the the movie, but there is a little kind of it's a little great white Hopi. And that's what Mm. Spike said about it, too. It feels like that, like, um, especially when uh, I think uh, the Celtics were kind of the dominant team in the NBA at the time. And like Boston, still pretty racist town, probably still is racist town. Uh, you know, and in, in, in the margins. Um, but like, I, I, I it did, it, it was noticeable that like the villains of the movie, yeah, you know, uh, show up and there's there's a a, a team with black players. Um, they don't make a, little, a ton of like, hey, these are the villains though. It's it's not, not like there's a huge animosity between these teams. It's just like this is a really good team, and mm-hmm. we're gonna have to play our best game to beat them. So I, I get where he's coming from totally. I think it's it was a bit jarring when I'm like, oh, this is the first black person I've seen in this movie. And it's at the very right. fucking end. Right. Um, but yeah, I also didn't feel like it was overly like. Antagonistic toward toward the black team, and it wasn't a totally black team, right? There are still white kids on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like there's, you know, it's but not like this was I, I white thought... versus black. No, but it wasn't interesting. And I, I did some research into it. And I guess like by all accounts, there wasn't any like racial, you know, I'm, it's 1952. Uh, right. Like, so there's I some do, there. I, yeah. The people's like, oh, there's, there's, but there's nothing but mutual respect about the between the two. It's like, ah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about all that. Uh, but, uh, but it, it, it is, it, it, I, I think it's one of those things where. Where you know the 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 time period it's taken, the place it's 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 set in, all that like it is it mm-hmm. is you know thirty five years later, it's something that just really jumped out at me even before I found out that you know 
Spike Lee had had taken issue with it. Um, and I don't think yeah. Spike Lee is like this movie sucks. We can't watch it. It's just kind of like interesting to note. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Goliath, the unstoppable and the, the, the guys that are just the, you know, believe in team and all that, the team players and the wholesome guys are the, the white team. Right. Um, there's a lot of, uh, like I said, we, we talked about the speeches that the Hackman gives the best one probably is where they go to Hinkle Fieldhouse and they're like, just in awe of its size. Yeah. And he does the the thing that is funny because uh, Ted Lasso did this this year too. Sure, uh, they they inverted the expectation, but you know he did the like the players are in awe and they're like just slack jawed at it and they'd never seen a place this big and he like gets a gets out a a, a ruler a measuring tape and has him like measure this and he's like oh you know it seems like it's just like the 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 field house we got back home I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, and it, like, it's one of those scenes. Players where you immediately know what he's doing and then the scene has to go on for another two and a half minutes to get to the point he's making. And I'm like, I have figured this out from the moment. He said, come over here and pull the measuring tape out of his pocket. I'm like, okay, that's exactly what he's doing. And these kids have it like a revelation when he's, when he finally says the same measurements as our gym back home boys. But, but would you would you think that if had it not been a pulp culture meme? Like, because I'm like, maybe not, maybe not. Yeah, like those kids. Like, I don't know. They they see they saw it coming. Like the point he was trying to make. Oh, they that, did uh, not. No, they were shocked yeah. and 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 yeah. uh, delighted by that observation. I don't know. I I felt myself looking at my watch during that scene. <laughs> there, there's one other scene uh, that's insane. Yeah? It's the last last uh, shot of the game. Where Jimmy, so what is the point of this? Let me ask you, what is the movie trying to say? Because they've done all this work to get there as a team, right? And of course, Jimmy is the best player on the team. But the mm-hmm. coach is like, I've got a solid coaching move here. They think we're going to send it to you for the final shot, Jimmy. But instead, we're going to use you as a decoy and send it to someone else. And Jimmy and the entire team are like, fuck that. Jimmy, Jimmy's going to take this shot. And he does. And he takes a shot and he wins the game. But like, what is the point of that scene? What is that scene trying to say to me? It does seem antith- antith- antithetical to the rest of the movie, yeah. right? That's all about team and the individual doesn't matter. And um, right? because it is a truism that, yeah, you got to have a team. But like when you're talking about the most important play, that's like win or lose and and win, loser, draw, whatever, whatever. It's the most important play that you want you know, to, to give your best player the ball and you have do, him shoot, yeah. like your best. Yeah. Like traditionally. Yeah. Like usually you, you want to do that. Um, I don't know because like, I, I, I thought that was weird too. Um, I, I've got to guess now that I'm thinking about it. So the team has put faith in the coach, right? They've followed him this yeah. entire time and uh-huh. they've won game after game because of his coaching. Uh, I feel like this is him doing the same for them. Like the whole team has sort of like, uh, side eyed this play thinking, mm, I don't know about this coach. And he's like, all right, it's the big moment. But if you guys think it's right to get this ball to Jimmy and you trust in Jimmy, then I'm going to trust in Jimmy. Yeah, it was because it's not just antith- antithetical from the team perspective. It's also the whole time hackman's like i'm the general i'm the leader you guys right, shut right. your mouth what i say goes i don't want to hear any contradictory opinion <laughs> and, 
until that Except last moment. Except on the biggest, it'd be yeah. like, and then we just completely abandon it and do something else. And like, well, the team, you know, like it's if the team matters, then don't I eventually the coach have to subsume? I I, I think that's the development of him because yeah. maybe maybe that's I, I missed that that like um the old coach would have been like you know <laughs> fuck you i didn't as and he would have been pigheaded about it uh-huh. instead of like feeling the energy of the team shifting and and them wanting to do that um but yeah i i just thought it was perplexing i thought it was like wow it's it's weird on uh the the level of like kind of what the the movie's preaching it's weird on like the coach's personal development level i i didn't i didn't get it myself i think what's weird is talking about this super classic sports movie having only seen it once because i feel like on second watch i will understand so much of this better but there there are people who've seen this movie 50 times right and they're probably thinking you dipshits it's clear what the message is here we everybody knows this and shit i've seen it once what can i say it does feel like a fun movie to watch on rewatch because there's so many like characters like i could barely even keep the players straight but mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, all of them have their little characteristics, all of them have their little arcs, all of them have their like, you know, uh, distinctive basketball styles and stuff. And there's like uh, just uh, it'd be one of those fun movies just like, hey, watch what Dennis Hopper's doing in the background of all these shots. Now watch Probably. what Gene ha- Hackman is doing in the background. And um, I do think, though, like this movie didn't feel long. It felt like a very nice movie length. I, I just don't know why. I, I guess if the the Hollywood dudes are trying to push the Barbara Hershey stuff in there because, well, this is a sports film. You got to get the dames in there somehow. Let's 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 give uh, a romance and let's make her a real ball buster. And she's going to tame this coach somewhat. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to get the but like, man, the movie just grinds to a halt. Yeah. Um. She's completely superfluous. Like the whole town fucking hates him mm-hmm. um, individually and collectively. We don't need like another particular person to take particular exception with the fact I hate you because you hate small town and you worship basketball. And I think that's what's wrong with this whole thing. And then like the other thing is like the, her arc didn't make any fucking sense. Her heart, her arc was like the five foot nothing kid that comes in and sinks to shot. She hates this guy, uh, thinks that mm-hmm. uh, if he gets his way, he's going to ruin the best kid in town and mm-hmm. then going to ruin his chances. Uh, then she comes and confronts him like, I did some digging on you. Turns out you punched a kid and you had the result. You, you got banned from coaching college basketball, you fucker. Yep. Next scene, they're at a referendum to recall him. As she gets up to the podium, I'm like. How is he going to overcome this? It, it, and, I thought the same. Yeah. And also, how are they? Because like I could tell that the, the arc of this movie was going to then get together. It's like, this is an unforgivable <laughs> sin. Like, <laughs> right. how is he? And she just says, you know what? I think we should give the coach another chance. We should just throw all between. And I'm like, the fuck? Um, and then she's still kind of cantankerous towards him. Like, even when he's like, hey, let's take a walk. She's like angrily hoeing the ground and kind of pissed that he's showing up. And your my mom cut your hair, you dumb. And they go and they kiss. And I, the only thing that makes sense is she likes him more because he's become more successful. Yeah. Yeah. Because nothing like that. None of that plot made any sense. And they did add, didn't have any chemistry. Like I said, her and him kissing. 
was like just watching, you know, like two pork roasts being shoved in each other's faces. Uh, I, 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 I did not get that. I think it should have. I think this movie should be a, a buck 40 length yeah. and they should just take all that shit and throw it out onto the cutting room floor. It's completely severable. Right. None of it matters. I think what they're going for is another like thread in the tapestry of uh, second chances that this movie is weaving. I, I think that's what they're doing, right? She's giving him a second chance the way that he gives Dennis Hopper a second chance, the way that his kid gives Dennis Hopper a second chance. Like there, there are all these second chance moments, these moments of like redemption and they're trying to shoehorn that in on that storyline. And yeah, it just didn't work for me. And I don't know what the outcome of, of that is. They never really care to say like, does he stick around for the next year? Right. There's that scene where he's being interviewed and they're like, are you going to be back next year? And she gets the bullhorns like, that's a great question, coach. After they've kissed. And mm-hmm. that's that's never resolved. I don't know if he stuck around. I don't know if he went back to fucking Long Island or wherever he's from. <laughs> Ithaca. Yeah, unbanned. Yeah. yeah. I was like, this is a uh, and it, I, I guess this is pretty true to life. This this was a famous story in its time. Like this was captured the heart of the nation you know the like the idea of this like you know small very tiny tiny class this uh um team would take down this much larger uh better equipped fan although it's funny because he's like don't don't pay attention to their fancy uniforms and i was looking at him like how especially in this era how the fuck is one uniform fit you both are wearing these like ridiculously short belted athletic shorts <laughs> uh, <laughs> with these like fucking cotton, you know, uh, a frame t-shirt. I, I, it's, it's, it's wild. It, uh, but yeah, that none, that, that stuff didn't, didn't quite land for me. Yeah. Um, really. do we want to talk? Cause like there's, there's, I, I got one other thing. Uh-huh. Do you have anything to talk about the movie? And then I've got like a, an introduction for us to talk to wax nostalgic about Indiana basketball. Okay. Yeah. I've got one other factoid that I thought was interesting. Cause hit me when I'm watching this movie and they get to that final game and they're in the, uh, Butler field house. They, they have a quartet come out and sing the national anthem. And I'm like, boy, mm-hmm. those people look nervous. And I found out that that is actually just a local quartet, uh, just an acapella group that they pulled in to do that. It might've been part of the, you know, Friday night game or whatever. And they were very nervous on camera. Um, and it's a group called the Travel Airs, and apparently they're still around, like doing things. Interesting. They're, they have a Facebook page where they were posting like 35 year anniversary pictures and stuff of them, which I thought was kind of kind of neat. So yeah, it was like a local, just acapella group they had. It's funny because they they nailed that quality in the film. Like when you got a high school band. There's a little bit of a warbly quality, especially yeah. if it's a small school that doesn't have like, an, you know, you, you got in a no cut music department. And it's so funny because like I watched I want to know how to pronounce because I'm like, there's no fucking way this rural high school pronounces the name Milan. No fucking way. <laughs> Just like there's no Versailles for sales. It's like this. I don't know what the hell we do in the Midwest. We butcher these. Why name yeah. stuff after European cities or Rusheville? Get the fuck out of here. So I, I go and I, I play that they had the uh, Milan has her 2021 uh, commencement on online because everybody does uh, like, I don't know, 30 kids graduating. 
And when I was watching it, their, their high school band was playing like the commencement song. It is that same kind of warbly, reedy, <laughs> slightly off time. And I'm like, yeah, that's a fucking small town high school band for sure. You, you for know sure. what other movie captures this perfectly? <laughs> What's that? It's one you wouldn't think. What is that movie? It, it has like a, a its name is like a letter. It's the aliens who are like lizards and come down and when they're when they're greeted oh, for the first time v yes when they're greeted yeah, for the yeah, first time yeah. they step off their ships and there is this shitty high school marching band playing, playing star a wars song, right playing a star wars song for him yeah it's yeah oh it's i think hilarious. we have a commission podcast where we talk about that if you want to <laughs> check do. out our archives all right so back in night so so the whole reason this film happened is because indiana like a lot of places used to had single class basketball which means no matter how small your high school was you could play into the championship and potentially win it that happened once in the entire history of basketball in indiana can you Um, also talk about why that's such a weird thing um basically like if you're a big school you just have this huge pool of kids to pull from yeah like like if you have a if like so more like our our like okay so like Decatur, uh, you, you've got like the, the the big urban inner city schools that have like enrollments of thousands. But like, you know, then like the sub the first suburb uh, on like, you know, State Road 67 uh, is Decatur probably has a thousand, you know, kids in it. Mm-hmm. Mooresville High School, which is, you know, 15 miles down the road. Next smallest school uh, has a graduating class of maybe 400. Monrovia. 15 minutes down so it has like 250 you get to eminence which is the next road down and there's like 25 like it's yeah. like eminence is literally like a fucking one building little house on the prairie setup. there's like 60 kids in the whole fucking school district um it's just a lot like if you have 2,000 kids finding 11 of them that can play hoops is a hell of a lot easier <laughs> right than when you've got 200 kids mm-hmm. like you that your 11th man is going to be probably weaker than their third or fourth, you know, uh, or what was it? What, what was I'm trying to say? Then they're, yeah, they're, they're yeah, they're like their 11th man is going to be stronger than probably your, your third best person, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then, but, but that the thing is, is every once in a while, you'll just get like this a Jimmy kid that can fucking ball. Yeah. When I was growing up in Mooresville, we had uh, a kid that was like just triple threat, man. He could pitch. Like throw ninety mile ninety mile an hour plus fastballs. He was our quarterback and throw thirty five yard fucking bombs, and he could drain the three and like he played all three sports and he was like the fucking king of our it's high the school. Bo Jackson of your high school, and we did well. We went deep into whatever. I mean, we never made the the semifinals and all that, but like so so yeah, the single class. Um, and there was this all like my whole high school life. There was this battle for like ending that because the, the, the rationale is like, why are you making these schools that have 50 kids compete against the ones that have 5,000? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, we all know about Milan and 1952 and all that shit. But (laughs) that's how many times has that happened again? Once where you suffer in futility. And the other art side of that argument is, look, it's not just that it's the fact that like for most of these small school districts, the sectionals is the championship. Mm. Like we want nothing more than to beat the fuck out of Monrovia or beat the fuck out of Greenwood. We don't, I don't give a fuck about, uh, 
you know, uh, Decatur and much less uh, Ben Davis. Like, yeah, right. we're never going to beat those guys, but we can absolutely smoke these guys in sectionals, maybe even do a run and, and win divisionals. And that's like winning the fucking Super Bowl. Um, but like, you'll never, ever, ever, ever win a championship. Mm-hmm. And the the story the like the the people on the opposite side of that is like, well, if you take this thing down, you're going to destroy this by beautiful sectional divisional and all that kind of thing. And also, like, you're going to, you know, like, break up all these old term rivalries. Like, I don't think Mooresville ever plays Greenwood anymore because it's a much bigger school district. So Hmm. and they're saying, like, this is going to destroy what makes like Indiana basketball special. These regional rivalries and the like, what if if you get like some, you know, six foot 11 kid out of the cornfield, what what happens? You know, like, what, what if you can ride him all the way? 22 years. So, so Indiana uh, single class division basketball ended in 1998, three years after I graduated high school. I got to say, and I haven't lived in Indiana for a couple of years. It does seem like it, it definitely dunked a whole cold uh, pitcher of water over the Indiana basketball high school scene, Hmm. like breaking up those old rivalries, you know, dividing up into four different classes. Like, cause no one who, who gives a shit who wins the like, you know, was a class one or class, I can't remember which is the highest one. Uh, who cares who wins this? No one, no one gives a shit. Um, it, it, and like now it feels like almost football is bigger in Indiana than basketball. Yeah. Cause I never yeah. thought, thought would have happened, but between the, 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 the class system in the, the high schools between the futility of being a fucking Pacers fan for 20 years now, <laughs> and the relative dominance of Colts football in the meantime, it feels like it's, yeah, I don't know that you can accurately say that in all in 49 other states, it's just basketball, you know, but this is Indiana. Like that's what every Pacers game always started, you know, like every, it's all, it's basketball in 49 other states, but this, this is Indiana. Uh, it's not, it's not TV, it's HBO kind of thing. I don't right. know if that's true anymore. I feel like the, the detractors from the class system were right. Yeah, they might have been because um, definitely when I was growing up, it was still very much the sport in Indiana. Um, I, I spent many, many evenings and afternoons and weekends uh, playing basketball with my friends. And it was kind of the only thing. If if you're talking like, hey, let's play some sports, you could maybe find a pickup game of football once every few months, but you could find a pickup game of basketball every single weekend. Yeah. And I did all the time. And I wonder if like continuing the gutting of rural Indiana is also because like. Nowadays, you're mostly probably going to grow up in a suburb. You're going to probably live in a place with a homeowners association that may or may not allow you to put up basketball goals. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like if you live out in rural, the idea that like, you know, most people and also a lot of you know people living in because homes are less affordable. People live in more and more in apartments. You got kids growing up in apartment complexes. They don't got a fucking hoop. Um, you know, as I just said, like I, I'm hoops are still big in Indiana. It just seems like. That that was a big piece of the puzzle that the that it's ending the the, the class or starting the class system really started fracturing the scene that was all like, you know, kind of fucking nuts. Yeah, could be Hoosier hysteria. It's over. Um, I suppose that's a shame. I don't know. I'm not much of a sports fan anymore, but I enjoyed those afternoons and weekends. Do we want to have taught uh, uh, now tell basketball stories? Sure. That sounds good. We were talking with what Chad before 
uh, we started this podcast because we're streaming live <clears throat> on twitch.tv slash bald move. Check it out. Uh, we, we were just talking about like all kinds of things related to basketball, the different like courts you can play on because th- there, there were at least five different, I would say, types of courts uh, mm-hmm. within my basketball purview in, in Mooresville. And one was definitely like you'd play on it because it was super convenient and like all the the people were kind of already there and it was the backyard court that was made of entirely dirt, just compressed dirt. Like I imagine that court started as a yard that people were dribbling on the grass and you just run over it so many times Uh that it just turns into kind of a hard surface so you can actually dribble on and stuff and. Unless you know, it rains, unless it rains, yep. and then it's a then fucking it's mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I played a ton of games on that. That was right next to actually your house, next door. Mm-hmm. Yep, a next door neighbor. Um, grow. So we had that. You also had um, the barnyard that usually had a gravel court, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a subset of the dirt court. Um, yeah. Uh, and a lot of times you just have a big piece of plywood for the backboard. I was talking about, uh, my buddy Jeremy had <laughs> a no shit barn with a gravel, uh, a court and a, a piece of plywood and that plywood as like the sun kept hitting it and the oh, moisture God. kept impregnated, like got like curvy, like uh-huh. it looked like a piece of corrugated aluminum, aluminum or something. And like the back, the bank shots you get off that thing were just like, <laughs> A crapshoot, crapshoot. That sounds so, terrible. Heisen, Heisenberg had less uncertainty than that that backboard <laughs> feel. I think the the plywood backboard is the worst backboard, right? There's like, oh the, yeah. There's the plywood. There's the you go really high end and you get either the the solid steel backboard, which is fine, but then you get mm. the glass backboard. Like you were talking about the Golrilla, uh, the acrylic, like driveway, yeah. driveway regulation size. Oops. Yeah, it's not a yeah. It's it's a, usually adjustable. Uh-huh. You can lower it to seven foot and fucking, you know, as a kid dunk or you can raise yeah. it. to I think you could raise them up to 12 feet for whatever reason. But yeah. yeah. Weird. I uh, could dunk. So could you ever did you ever were you able to ever able to dunk? Man, could you, what, I'm at what five, level nine, could you consistently dunk? Oh, oh, with with dropping the goal. Um, I, I think it was about eight feet. I don't I don't think I got much okay. higher than eight feet. I'm, I don't have significant ups. Cause I, I couldn't quite like, I don't, I'm, I, uh, am, I ended up six foot two, but I don't have any kind of ups. I'm very short. I'm very stocky. And, uh, so you I never could reach jump. eight I could, foot. I could reach it. I could, and I could, I could, uh, I could, I could dunk on a nine and a half foot goal. Okay. Um, All and right. then like on a nine foot goal, I could like two hand, like fucking throw it down, hang off the rim kind of shit. Damn. But one of the, the kids in our congregation, uh, he, was like six foot three and pretty, you know, had a good, ba- reasonable basketball build, and he could like palm the ball and and dunk on a regulation. Yeah, and uh, we were playing at a on a, a a court in in a park in Mooresville, um, in in our neighborhood, and uh, he you know he likes lording lording over us, <laughs> likes posterizing us, and I don't I don't know why, but he hung on and he yeah he hung on the rim the kind because that's you know that was that's always. You know, if you can, you can grab the rim and hang on it, then mm-hmm. you do that. Uh, but for whatever reason, he did that hung on. And I don't know whether he just slipped or what, but he let go like at the height of his swinging on the rim. rim. So his body is kind of like parallel to the ground. 
and he's 10 foot up in the air and he just starts dropping. He loses his grip on the rim and starts dropping straight down, puts his, his right arm out to catch himself and his bones just shot out of his arm. Like he hits the ground and like, I, I don't know if it's a radius or an ulni, but that thing just shot the fuck out of his arm. He's screaming. Uh, like how Jeremy far are we talking? Th- Did it? Huh? How, how it, far no, are we talking? It's like, it's like, it's like, like three inches. inches. Like there's like it's Holy unmistakably shit. bone, bloody bone sticking out of that thing oh. through a jagged hole in his arm. And my buddy Jeremy just throws the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wilson boys, we're all like losing our. So one, two of us have to like we start sprinting towards his parents' house because we don't have cell phones. No, yeah, there's no, there's, there's you can't like call an ambulance. We're just like, you know, we're like a uh, half mile away from the house. We're just sprinting there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mrs. Blah, blah, blah. Was, yeah, he's like, he broke his arm. And he's a uh, uh, and, you know, she's fucking freaking out because it's like, you know, you know, you're, you're a mom. It's three thirty in the afternoon. It's not, you don't expect this shit to happen. Now it's your no. problem to deal with. It was it was pandemonium, but he was fine. He's a uh, couple a couple plates and steel screws and a cast. And eight weeks later, he's he's back to dunking on us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Those, those teens pain don't hurt. Pain don't hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I had my, this isn't a Ugh. basketball story, but I, I, the only like real bad injury break I've seen is my cousin when we were skateboarding and skateboarding injuries obviously are going to happen all the time. And the, the, there's shit that happens. that's way worse than what I'm about to tell you. Uh, he, he was getting pretty good on his board, right? you can ollie, you can kick flip, you can do all those like kind of uh, not stationary tricks, but ground tricks is what I would call them. And then he's trying mm-hmm. to, uh, jump up on this bench and just grind it. And mm-hmm. so it's one of those benches that like it's it's got a seat and then it's got a gap and then it's got a back. And so he tries to jump up on the seat part of it and grind across it. He gets up there and his foot, his board slips out from under him and his leg goes into the gap in the the bench and just fucking twists like his whole body twists and he just starts screaming. And and you run over there and you can see like his leg is just at this unnatural position wedged oh God, in between yeah. the seat and the the back. And we're we're all freaking out because it's like me, my brother, my cousin. And, and this is my other cousin who's stuck in this bench. And so oh my God. We, we we did the same thing you did. Right. We were like, oh, fuck. And we ran. We sprinted back to <laughs> my aunt's house and we said, uh-huh. he's got his leg. It's hurt. Like, we don't know what to say. Right. It's just like a panic. Yeah, three moment. kids are screaming at once. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so eventually we get a, an adult to call an ambulance or whatever, because, yeah, he fucked up his leg bad. He spent months in a cast. Were you any good at basketball? Because like a lot uh, of uh, your a lot of your self worth as a kid in Indiana came from like uh, you know could you ball, and uh, and I so like I was like I was never picked last I was always uh-huh. almost like picked mid, mid medium because I was always yeah. usually tall for my age and I could shoot like as I was I grew up worshiping at the 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 altar of Steve Alford. And he was just preaching like fundamentals, like you practice, you know, practice. He's legendary for like wearing out six, seven nets a year, just practicing free throws. So I could hmm. I could nail jump shots and perimeter shots. I'm not a great ball handler, not a great guy. The playing on transition, trying to get layups and shit like that. I'd always yeah. like fucking I could I always would fuck up a layup. I don't know why, uh, but I could shoot. I could do perimeter shots and stuff like that. And I was tall, so I could play. I played decent defense, pretty tenacious 
pretty tenacious D if I don't say so myself. <laughs> well, what, where, where'd you, and you and I, I, mean, I were don't like, have that advantage. What, were you like five years younger than me? Uh-huh. So like, we never really balled together. No, like, you were with you know, the like, like when, 18 year olds. And I was when I was like, in, yeah, like it would not be cool for like, you know, 16 year olds to like fucking, you know, yeah yeah for shaquille sure. o'neal some some 11 year old right so no. like we never i so I, I never i know that like uh matt's brother paul he was like kind of best in class in, in your guys's age group he was like the baller so so it's interesting because he wasn't allowed to play basketball in school None right of us were right yeah yeah like like all of us um well with one exception um there was one kid who whose parents were a little more lenient um I don't know what to call him. Uh, uh, let's say he was the wealthy kid at the the Kingdom Hall. Uh, really, he, we he had played a Venus organized and Serena sports. situation where we had a we had we had a kid in our congregation playing organized sports for real. Oh yeah, yeah, he was on the Fuck, high school. I team, didn't know that uh, for for at least that. at least a year, um, and he wow. actually knew how to play. And so, like like you'd get um, the, the you'd get Paul, who you're talking about who was very, very good. Naturally, he was just like super fast, super strong. He could jump, he could shoot, he could do everything and never got tired. He he had a motor that was just infinite. Yeah, we we'd play for, I don't know, four to six hours sometimes. Yeah, 95 always go, go, go humidity. Yeah, yeah. And and I would get tired eventually. And I wasn't as talented as he was either. Not nearly. Um, And so it depended on the group I was with. Right. If if like if the wealthy kid and Paul were on the the roster, I probably wasn't getting picked uh, <laughs> in the first four. But like, uh-huh. you know, uh, I would play a lot of times with other groups and I would be picked pretty, pretty high up there because I could I could shoot for sure. Like three pointers. I could hit those all at, day. You always struck me as at fairly athletic and coordinated. I, I am. Yeah, but I'm not like. I didn't have any like formal training in basketball. So uh-huh. I just, I wasn't able to drive past people who were either more naturally talented or had better training. Um, yeah. and I'm just not tall. So I didn't have the advantages of like rebounding or, you know, getting into the paint or anything like that. So yeah, I was yeah. a shooter. That's, that's a big, like a big skill gap between the guys that could really handle the ball. Like, you know, like dribble between their legs and transit, you know, like cross people up and, and transition versus the ones who didn't like, yeah. I wasn't like, I wasn't at stage where I had to like look at my ball like you know like there's some guys that are like fucking like you watch Michael <laughs> right. J. Fox playing Teen Wolf and he's like watching the ball yeah. like he can't even like you know like walk and dribble at the same I wasn't that helpless but like no. I, I couldn't really do the behind the back you know 180 between the legs bounce pass between people's legs that's the most humiliating yeah. thing when someone would would bounce pass between your legs uh, uh-huh. and pull that shit off low percentage pay but play but man it, it made you feel like a, a real asshole when they pulled it off i could definitely dribble like behind the back and through the legs but not in an actual play right like i, I could i practice it and i oh could do yeah it, but not when anything was on the line <laughs> sure sure and that's that was the other thing growing up is like staging like shots of like you know michael jordan or reggie miller and like and he shoots the three oh you miss it and he shoots the three and like he might do <laughs> yeah. five and then he finally oh he nails, he nails it. it's it, like yeah. nothing but yeah like it's, yeah, like, yeah, countdown, it's like right it's like three <laughs> two one oh, you go up you my shoot, cousin and i would break. play that all the time and then do it again we would have 
Yeah, like we were hyped up on whatever basketball game we're trying to reenact the finals. Like, oh, you need, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's only got ten seconds. He's at the top of the, yeah, that. <laughs> and then you when get you, as many takes as you want, you can yeah. hold the clock back. Yeah. And when you yeah. finally do hit it, it's boom, baby. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing in the nineties. Uh, <sighs> Good times. The the we we had a like I was talking about the the surfaces. We we had another court, and this was at a friend's house. Like one of my best friends in the congregation. Uh, they had like a full paved, like concrete half court setup with goals on both sides. Um, they had like a nine foot goal over on one side, which we didn't play on, but we used it like a half court thing. And that was always fun because that felt like a real ass basketball game. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. Oh, here's this busted net. That's at the high school. That's like, they're never going to repair it. And it's on the steel backboard. Mm -hmm. No, they had the acrylic backboards with, really nice double rims, like everything you'd want out of a basketball court. And I spent a lot of afternoons over there and weekends. I remember it. Cause like, uh, when I was growing up, like all uh, the elders would run these basketball games, they'd rent out this full court thing. Like I said, in the Centerton sports complex, it was a hard yeah. court basketball full size. Um, I remember like, you know, like, Oh, just wait until I could get old enough and big enough to start getting invited to those games. And the first time I couldn't believe how much fucking work it is. Cause I'd never played on a full court ball where you had oh, to like it and then like run down yeah. it. My God, I couldn't <laughs> believe how much like I got, I, I, you know, uh, these, these, these Jehovah's Witness elders, big goofballs, but I would mm-hmm. give them respect for running up and down the court with a bunch of teenagers from the time they were like 35 to 50 and being pretty like had some good shooters, some, some decent athletes, some decent ball handlers, uh, on that team. But I can't yeah. fucking believe like at 45 now playing full court basketball for like an hour. No, no. Even with substitutions and whatnot. I couldn't. And we it. never had more than one or two subs. Mm-hmm. Like you were playing the whole damn night and you fucking knew it. It was a it was a hell of a lot of work. Yeah. And those lasted a few hours, right? Like three. Oh, yeah. They get there yeah, from hours. like seven to nine. Yeah. I mean, they uh-huh. did. And, and uh, you play two or three games a night. That was crazy. Yeah, I'm still in awe at those old men. <laughs> um, what else? I think that's about. I think it's uh, about it. someone in chat asking if Larry Bird was big in Indiana. The basketball yeah. Jesus, yes, from yes. French French Lick. Yeah, I went to French Lick. I went to his restaurant. I, yes, he's huge. Like when he came back and and coached the Pacers, it was fucking huge. When he was the ran the front office to Pacers, it was huge. Like mm-hmm. yeah, we love we 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 love Larry Bird. Uh, He's big nationally. Like, you know, I grew up playing uh, Dr. J versus Larry Bird on and then later Bird versus Jordan on my Commodore 64. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, they, they were in the first dream. He's on the first dream team, like shadow of himself. But still, that was big shit. Yeah. So I, I once yeah, we, uh, we used to go to a flea market and set up a booth every few weekends or something. And one time Rick Smith's came to the flea market and stopped by our booth. Rick Smiths, what's he doing at a flea market? Man's a millionaire. Um, who was the guy after where maybe it was uh who's the guy before Rick Smiths? I don't know. Uh, Rick Smiths was my era of Pacer. The big the big Euro center that we had before Rick Smiths. Uh he lived in Monrovia and I saw him in the Mooresville Krogers a time or two. Huh. I mean, he sticks like a sore thumb. This guy's like <laughs> right. Know, yeah, he five, was huge. Six I was, foot eleven, seven foot tall. I was that like eleven shrimp. years old. He was 
That was the Dad guy's name. Detlef Shrimp. I was, remember the I name. I believe the guy's name before Rick Smith, and he would show up at the Mooresville Kroger's every once in a while. Hmm. So, all right. Uh, yeah, Timo got it. There you go in chat. Uh, <laughs> all right. We this is who is this podcast even for? People that grew up in Indiana in the eighties and nineties, I guess. Yes, it's, it's it's merged into late eighties Hoosier nostalgia. Um, we are going to get out of here. Uh, happy 35th anniversary to Hoosiers, uh, from two, from two fellow Hoosiers. Uh, pretty good sports movie. I think it mostly holds up. They should get out. There needs to be a dehershified cut, a diet, you know, get the chocolate out. I'm with you. We we need to cut out the sugar from this film because I didn't think she's bad. I just thought, yeah, it didn't. No, it's just, it doesn't, it's completely everything she does. The movie does other ways better and more directly related to mm-hmm. basketball and the relationship between the coach and the players and the coach in the town and didn't need it. Get it out of there. Uh, that's, that's it. That's it for Hoosiers. We'll be back with another prestige film next week. And until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.